It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. I want you to meet Dario Priolo. He's the CMO and demand generation practice leader at Sales Performance International. We sell high value solutions with a long sales cycle, and there are many influencers involved. His team wanted to drive more revenue from their target accounts, but they needed a breakthrough. Well, we really had to look at dozens and dozens of providers. And when we did that, when we did our research, we ultimately decided that Engageo was right for us. Engageo's account-based marketing and sales platform enables teams to measure account engagement and orchestrate human connections at scale. Opportunities in our target accounts are up 25% and pipeline is up 30%. It's made them a lot more productive. They really now have a platform that allows multi-channel, multiplayer outreach to manage these complex relations in very large accounts. Marketing now has outstanding visibility into the most engaged accounts, and they really know where to focus their efforts much better. Head over to Engageo.com forward slash accelerate to download their clear and complete guide to account-based sales development today. That's Engageo.com forward slash accelerate. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. I'm so excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Marcus Sheridan. He's marketing and sales expert, founder of The Sales Lion, and author of the new book, They Ask, You Answer. Marcus, welcome to Accelerate. Yeah, man. Thank you, Andy. I'm, I'm uh, super excited to be here. Hopefully, I'll say something of value to the audience today. That's my goal. At least one thing, man. <laughs> well, I think we'll work on that, but I, I've seen you talk, and the problem was writing notes fast enough to take down everything <laughs> you were, all the value you were giving. So I think we'll be in good shape today. So so take a minute, just sort of if I had a very bare bones introduction, fill out that introduction about yourself, and maybe talk about how you got your start being the sales line. It's a great story. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, here's the here's the really quick story. I started a swimming pool company in 2001, essentially out of college with two guys, and um, we were pretty broke, but we grew the business the best we could. And you're but in Virginia, so people understand. I'm in Virginia. It's not like That's you're in right. California in or Arizona, but you're in Virginia. Okay. Uh, pool guy in Virginia. Grew the business best we could, but in 2008, the market crashed and uh, it it got really really bad. In fact, if you recall when the um, when Lehman Brothers went you know upside down and the uh, banks were were folding and all this was happening and this was when Obama and McCain um, were debating about what to do with the banks and right. the automotive. Save them, let them go. It was just, right. yeah, it was yeah. just a bad time and it was a really bad time. Within 48 hours of that time period, I lost five deposits of people that were going to get a swimming pool that said, you know, we just can't do it. And they just didn't feel like they had confidence, uh, in the economy. So we lost a quarter of a million dollars in business in the first 48 hours. And then over the coming months, it started to get worse and mm-hmm. worse. And by January, 2009, we went through a period of three straight weeks overdrawn in our business bank account. And I had 16 employees at the time. They were sitting home. And this is when I talked to three consultants and every single one of them said, you should file bankruptcy. But the problem was <laughs> if I filed bankruptcy, I was going to lose my home. My two business partners right. were going to lose their homes. My 16 employees would have lost their jobs. So I mean, you, were, so, you were invested in the business. You had everything in the business. Everything. Right. You know, and when you're a small business owner, they pretty much make you sign away everything but your kids and sometimes your kids mm. just to be able to get that loan or get that credit line or get that thing that you need, right? right? And so I had to figure out a way in early 2009 
to save the business, generate more traffic, more leads, more sales without really spending any money to do it. And I had to do it relatively quickly. And we had way less people that could qualify for a pool than ever could before. So we probably had 20% of what we could tap in previously because now people had a very difficult time getting loans. So that was my position in 2009. Basically, you people that could pay cash. Right. Yes. It was those people that could, you know, that could just cash in um, stocks or, you know, uh, pay for it off of a bonus. Mm -hmm. Certainly not the large representation of America, if you will, right? And so that was when I discovered these different phrases, inbound marketing, content marketing, blogging, social media marketing, digital marketing. But, you know, as I read all that stuff, and, and a lot of it, of course, was on HubSpot site, and they, they really resonated with me at the time. When I said to myself, after reading all these technical phrases, I said to myself, okay, so what you're saying is, if I just take the time to answer these questions that I hear every single day, the questions, fears, issues, worries, concerns of our prospects and customers. And I'm willing to do that through text and video on our company website. We just might be successful. And so our core philosophy became four simple words that we have embraced since that time. And I've taught, of course, now all over the world, which is they ask, you answer. And so we did that. And to make a long story short, um, it became the most traffic swimming pool website in the world. And today we get, um, um, we usually, it's nothing for us to get in at least a half a million visitors of, you know, visitors to the website a month. And it's half, a very successful. Half a million visitors to your swim site, swim, swimming pool website a month? Yes. Yes, that's wow. right. Wow. And it's uh, it saved the company. We became, because of the success, not just a local installer in Virginia, but a national manufacturer of fiberglass pools as well, because the influence is so strong all over the country, really all over the world. And really, River Pools became the WebMD of swimming pools. And because it was so successful, I started writing about it on a personal website called The Sales Lion. Right. And that's what started what today is my consulting company, speaking company, and it's it's led me literally all over the world to speak about it. So I only spend about two, three percent of my time today with River Pools because you know I've got two great business partners. It's really just a snowball rolling down a hill at this point, growing on its own. And so now I get to go out and I talk to cool people like you, and it's a fun, fun gig. Well, let's let's talk back about the pool. So you talked great expression you used. You talked you became the Web MD of, yeah. of, of swimming pools. So tell about people what you did, because it's an incredible strategy that you use. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's simple yet. It's, um, it's important because it works and the power behind it is the, is the simple fact that I said, okay, what are you hearing every single day? There are certain questions I was getting every single day. And what's funny about this, and this is why I found out, is that the most consistent questions every business is asked when someone contacts your company mm-hmm. are the questions that we do not want to address on our website. Because? And they're basically five fundamental okay. subjects that scare people. And I call this ostrich marketing, that we think as businesses we can put our head in the sand, and because we don't address it, 
that the problem will go away. Right. So here's what we call the big five. And this is the big five of they ask you answer. Number one, everybody wants to know about money. They want to know how much it costs. They want to know the pricing. They want to know, for example, if you're a potential employee, the salary. Okay, mm-hmm. so they want to know about money. That's number one by a long shot. Um, number two, they want to know about the issues, the negatives. How could this thing blow up in my face? What's wrong with this thing? What okay, that's risk? number two. What are two. the risks? Okay, yeah, what's the elephant in the room, um, et cetera, right? Number three is they want to compare your thing versus the other thing they're also considering, right? Okay. So this versus that, if you or me, which one would you choose? This can be a method. This can be a technology. This can be a widget. And by the way, this is as much B2B as it is B2C because everything I'm describing right mm-hmm. now is exactly the content strategy that we've used with all of our clients, over 50% of which are B2B service-based businesses. So when somebody hears this, I don't want them to completely just like immediately disregard it because they're like, I don't know if this is, no, no, don't lie to yourself. This is absolutely application to the B2B as well. Now, number four is review-based questions, right? People search for reviews all the time. And then number five is best-based questions. In other words, if we're going to make a purchase, we want to know the best thing. It doesn't mean we're going to buy the best thing. We just want to know what the best thing is. Now, let me give you some quick examples of this. I wrote an article, which was how much does a fiberglass pool cost? Six years ago or seven years ago when I wrote this article, no swimming pool company in the world had addressed how much a fiberglass swimming pool costs on their website. Above ground pool. This is an in-ground pool. This is an in-ground fiberglass pool. And of course, the reason why they hadn't done it is the same reason why every company doesn't do it. There's three main reasons why we are afraid to talk about price. Number one, we're afraid that the competition is going to steal our secret sauce, when in reality, our secret sauce is nothing but Thousand Island dressing, and everybody knows it anyway, so it's no secret at all. So that's Mm -hmm. number one. Number two, we're afraid we're going to scare the people away, when in reality, it's the exact opposite. What scares you and I away today is when we as buyers don't see any information about cost and price. Do not stay. We go and we search until we find, right? So that's the second thing. And then the third reason why companies don't do it is they say things like, well, we have a very specialized product or we have a very unique solution that we offer here. You need to talk to a salesperson. That's right. And nobody wants to hear that because the reality is we can explain what will drive the cost up, what will drive it down. What is the marketplace? Why are some so expensive? Why are some so cheap? You know, companies complain about their competitors being cheap all the time, but they don't control the conversation within the marketplace. That is a problem. And this is why so many fail. So that one article about how much a fiberglass pool costs, because we use advanced analytics, we know that it's generated since the day it was written just from the one article, over $3.5 million in sales. Since that one day, an article that took me 45 minutes to write at my kitchen table generated $3.5 million in sales. I used to get asked all the time, so Marcus, be honest, what are the problems with fiberglass pools? Right? Mm -hmm. We wrote an article about it. Today, if you search anything about the negatives of fiberglass pools, we're going to own that conversation. That one article has generated over half a million dollars in revenue for the company. Wrote an article about concrete versus fiberglass versus mm-hmm. vinyl liner pools, an honest comparison, right? So that's a versus comparison right. one. See, you know, six, seven years ago, no fiberglass pool guy wanted to talk about concrete pools. And the reason for this, and no concrete pool guy wanted to talk about fiberglass. And the reason for this is, is crazy, but it's true and it's still true today, is because fiberglass pool guy was saying, okay, our biggest competitor is concrete pools. So this is how we're going to handle it. We're not even going to talk about them on our website. And if we don't talk about them, nobody will know they exist. We're going to pretend they which don't is, exist, right? 
which is just absolutely silly because there is no such thing as a dumb, uninformed buyer today. Even the ignorant eventually will become the informed. Mm -hmm. And we even went so far as to remember, like any question that I was asked, I was going to answer it. So let me give you another example. I was once sitting with a couple when I was still a pool guy in Richmond, Virginia, which was a major area that we would install pools, okay? And um, at the end of the appointment, they said to me, Marcus, we like you. We think we're going to get this swimming pool from you. But if we don't get it from you, is there anybody else that you might recommend? And I said to myself, daggone, I've never addressed that question before. And so I went home that night and I wrote an article, who are the best swimming pool builders in Richmond, Virginia? And I came up with a list of the top five pool builders in Richmond, Virginia. And I talked about each one of the five pool builders, and I didn't put myself on the list. And people, when they saw me, like my two business partners, when they saw that I did this, they freaked out. They're like, dude, this is crazy. What are you doing? I'm like, look, you just just stay with me here. Just stay with me. You'll figure this out. Well, that one article that year. That year alone made us $150,000 in revenue. A whole series of those that we've done since that time has made well over um, double-digit millions of dollars right. for the company. And it's all because, like today, if you're researching any of my competitors, generally, like if you're vetting them, you're going to read about them on my website. I mean, and it's just – I mean, so that's just – that's just one element of the Ask You Answer, but it's a, it is the most simple, and that's how Riverpools became the WebMD of the swimming pool industry. Uh, let's go back to that thing about leaving yourself off the list, because I think that would be extremely hard for most companies to do. Yes. <laughs> and so what were you thinking at the time when you did that? Like, so it's really simple. My, it, my they're going to be at my site anyways, right? Yes, that's number one. They're already right. in your living room looking right. around, right? So you've already won half the battle. Right. But the second thing is this. Fundamentally, the tie that binds all of us together as businesses, whether we're B2B, B2C, big, small, local, national service product, is that people buy from us because they trust us more than the other quote that they got mm -hmm. from somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's just the facts. It doesn't matter what you do. That is the tie that binds us all together. And so that's the battle we're in. If that, can I become the most trusted voice of my space? If that becomes your moral compass, if that becomes your philosophical business compass, well, then it's really easy to make decisions because if you create a best of list and then you put yourself on said list, well, what happens? Obviously, you lose credibility. And if you lose credibility, you lose trust. And therefore, you're not allowed to do the thing. Mm -hmm. So trust is always the thing that allows you to make clear decisions in the moment. Right. Very interesting. So for companies that are, are saying, okay, listening to this and saying, all right, where, where do I get started, right? I mean, it's, you've got your five, five questions that scare people that need to be answered. Yeah, those are five topic areas. There's usually, you know, oftentimes there's dozens of questions that fall underneath. Follow that, each, right. Right, right. Well, so, okay, so here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The reason, so first of all, I would ask listeners, who is the WebMD of your space right now? For almost everybody that is listening, they'll mm -hmm. say, you know what? There is no WebMD of my space. And you're, wrong. you're right. Oh, you're no, right no, or wrong? right. You're right. If you can't name the WebMD of your space, if you can't name it, it doesn't exist yet, especially if they work in the thing, 
right? And so, like, if I say, who's the WebMD of um, inbound marketing? A lot of people are going to say HubSpot's blog, right? right? It's because it's it's prolific. It's right. prolific. And and then if you go across the board on a lot of these, you know, you're going to find that there are WebMDs in certain industries, but over 90%, they don't exist, especially in the B2B space. They just don't exist. And so this is why there's plenty of room for the teacher. Even if there is an existing WebMD in your space, the value of this is exceptional. And I'll tell you how, how it works, mm-hmm. how it works. This only works if your company culture is, we are going to be the best teachers in the world. When somebody thinks about us and our name, I want them to think, yep, if I go there right now, I know I'm going to find an answer to my question, either through text, through video, through audio, but they are there to teach me unbiased, transparently, they're going to give me the goods. Mm -hmm. That's the first like mindset. That is the vision. If your company has that vision, the next obstacle is getting the sales team on board because the sales team generally, they're the subject matter experts. The sales team, they're the ones that are hearing the questions all day long. They're the ones that are answering the questions all day long. They're the ones that should be fundamentally entrenched in marketing, and too often they are not. Right. And that's because we're still living in 1990. That's a big problem. You've heard the stats. I've heard the stats. You know, They say 70% to the buying decision on average is made before they ever talk to a salesperson. So if that's the case, they're vetting us to death before they talk to the salesperson. We better do a great job allowing them to vet us on the front end. And that's why we've got to create our digital presence in this way. And we've got to involve the sales team. My most successful clients, and we've had some world-class clients. Mm-hmm. In other words, we've had in the, in, in the book, They Ask You Answer, which... Um, I believe you said this will release afterwards. Right, so you'll find it, you'll find that there are um, multiple case studies in the book. We chose B2B and B2C. Each one embraces philosophy of they ask you answer. And each one made it a requirement for their sales team to participate directly with marketing. Mm-hmm. If they did not, they were no longer with the company. Right. And that might sound extreme, but it's kind of like if you talk to a sales team and you say, do you use a CRM? And they say, yes. And then you say, well, what would happen if leadership said, well, if you'd like to enter data in the CRM, that would be great. But if you don't get the time, that's okay. Just, just get to it when you get a chance. Nobody would ever do it. That's not how CRMs work. The only way you get a culture of CRM in an organization is if you tie it to compensation. That's just how it goes. It's not utopic. And so it's the same deal when it comes to content creation. You got to give them the what, the how, and the why. You got to give them the vision. You got to get the buy-in. You got to teach them. But at the same time, you can't say, well, if you'd like to participate. No, this is just who we are. We're the best teachers in the world, and you're part of that. Yeah, you're there to serve. So this is something I think a lot of companies have a hard time with is understanding that sales is really a service they're providing to their customer. I mean, I love this quote. Well, I love yeah, this quote but- from from Jeff Bezos who says, you know, we don't make money when we sell things; we make money when we help customers make purchase decisions. That helps. That's right. Customers make purchase. That's what your that's what your job is. That's right. And too many say, well, I'm in sales and you're in marketing, so good luck with that. And I've heard that. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard that, I'd own a beach, a big one. You know what I'm yeah, saying? And yeah. it's unfortunate. But that's why we've got to we've got to make this shift with sales teams. That's why I spend, you know, fifty percent of my speaking is workshops to organizations where the sales team and the marketing team are not on the same page. 
And so how do you work with them to help them get on the same page to become aligned? Because marketing sales alignment is a big topic everybody's talking about. It is a huge issue, huge issue. And that's why you're starting to hear you know, talk of revenue teams where the two are combined, which mm-hmm. I actually think is great. I don't believe a sales training should ever occur without at least somebody in marketing mm-hmm. there. I don't think – I don't think content should be produced without the involvement of the sales team. I just don't believe that. Now, how, how does it work? Well, number one, the sales team must understand that initial point that I made. 70% of the buying decisions made before they even talk to the salesperson, which means they have a very minimal influence on the actual sale. High closing rates today is nothing to brag about. That is, it is laughable when I hear somebody say, yeah, we've got really high closing rates, but we're getting ready to go out of business because we don't have enough revenue. The reason why you don't have enough revenue is you're not generating enough leads. The reason why you're not generating enough leads is people don't trust you enough, you have no digital presence, and you're still selling the same way you've sold the last 50 years. We see it all the time, sure. right? And so they've got to understand that, number one. Number two, they need to understand how content, if used and integrated into the sales process, can dramatically move them either down or out of the funnel as quickly as possible. I'm talking about the, the buyer, the, the, buyer prospect. Right. the prospect. Let me give an example of, of what I'm talking about. Um, I, I discovered something in 2013 that was crazy for me. I found out that as, as, as I was looking at leads on my website for my swimming pool company, that if someone read 30 or more pages of our website before the initial sales appointment, they would buy 80% of the time. Okay. If they did not, closing rates were about 25%. And so, literally, if they hit 30 pages, it was like a hockey stick curve when it came to closing rates. So, I said to myself, is it possible to get somebody to read 30 pages before every single sales appointment? And that's how we started to sell. And we, we, what was so crazy is by the end of the year, and people listening to this won't believe it, but it's true. We sold 95 pools that year in 2013, and we know the average person that bought that year had read over 105 pages of the site. And if you had come to me in 2008 or 2009 and said, Marcus, do you realize your average customer would be willing to read over 100 pages of your website before they buy? I'd have said, dude, you have no idea. You have no idea about what you're speaking of. You don't understand my industry. You don't understand my buyer. You don't understand my sales process, and I would have been dead wrong because we keep underestimating the power of great teaching. And what happens is we buy into this crap that you read about online that everybody's too busy. The fact of the matter is we're not too busy. We are inundated with information, but when we are getting ready to spend money, we are completely different. Case in point, Mm -hmm. case in point. Let's say that um, one of your listeners is at a shopping cart page right now, and they're getting ready to make a purchase. They're literally getting ready to give their credit card information, but they all of a sudden notice there's a coupon code that they don't have that they could put in. What percentage of people will now search for the coupon code? It's a huge portion, and here's where it gets really, really interesting. For the ones that go and search for the coupon code that they didn't have right. when they came to that right. landing page, right. if they don't find it, do they still make the purchase? No. And a huge portion now will not. That's right. Because the moment you realized there was a better option is the moment the company planted a seed of doubt. And when we experience seeds of doubt, we experience inertia and action, and yeah. we do not move. One risk, other simple ex- right. example. One other really simple example. Let's say that you're going to go to a new restaurant tonight. You haven't been there. You get it on a recommendation. You want to take a friend. You're going to do two things before you go to the restaurant with your friend. You're going to, you're going to vet them in two ways. A, you're going to read about their reviews somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
probably on Yelp, but probably. maybe somewhere else. Right. Um, resume, whatever. The second thing that you're going to do is you're going to go to the website. Specifically, you're going to look at their menu because mm-hmm. you don't want to be a dunce. You want to feel like exactly. you're familiar when you go there. Now, here's the interesting question. If the pricing isn't on the menu when you go there to look, are you still going to go to the restaurant? Well over 80% of all people at this point will not sure. go to the restaurant. Right. All because of a simple seed of doubt. And most of them have the money. It's not a question of money. It's a question of trust. Because I have this seed of doubt, I have lost trust. You're exactly right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I mean, that's why is it that com- I mean, you identified it. Companies are scared, but it, it still blows me away so often. It's is going, going to company sites, you can't find anything about price on their website. It goes back to this crazy mentality of of secret sauce and this idea of scaring people away. You know, the fact of the matter is, if you're on a website and you can't find anything about cost and price, you feel frustrated. And if you feel frustrated, you're not going to sit there and say, oh, that's okay. I'm going to keep on digging on this website. You're not going to say, oh, that's okay. They're a value-based business. I'm going to call them instead. You're going to continue to search online. You're going to jump off that site. You're going to go somewhere and you're going to keep going until you get the answer to your question. And whoever gives you the answer to your question, generally speaking, they're going to get first contact. They're going to have zero moment of truth occur. They're going to win your business. That's the circle of life. And if we get to the core psychology of it, we get upset and frustrated as buyers in that moment because we know that they know the answer. And because we know they know the answer and they're not giving it to us, we now feel like they're hiding something from us. And the right. moment we feel like anybody is hiding anything from us, online or off, we're gone, man. Trust is gone. And again, that's the name of the game. And that's why this is a philosophy. When I say they ask you answer, it is a truth philosophy of the way you run your business all the way. It's a trickle-down effect from leadership to sales to marketing. And if you look across the board at the most successful startups in the world, everything comes down to trust. The reason why we trust Uber over taxis is so much more than it's more convenient. I see a face. I see a rating. And it's a dual-edged rating Mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. They can rate me. I can rate them, and this is powerful. And see, so we've got to this point where we trust strangers now so much more than we trust these brands simply because some of them are following the principles of engendering trust. Some of them are doing as I've you know, just been trying so hard to get businesses to understand big or small – that if they're thinking it, if they're feeling it, if they're saying it, we've got an obligation to address it because somebody will. Why not it let it be you? Right. So let's take this and translate it to a personal brand. I mean, do you ever work with, with individuals? Because this is a topic that we're getting inundated with people want us to talk about on the show is building your personal brand. I mean, the same issues yeah. sort, of, sort of exist there, obviously, in terms of trust and so on. How do you, how do you translate some of these five things into – I said developing your own, building your strong personal brand. Well, the thing about that is it's, it's, it's frankly no different, right? I mean, I don't see a personal brand um, differently than I see a large corporation with respect to I am going to – if I want to potentially engage you as a reader, part of your commun- community, or give you my money, whatever that thing is, I'm going to vet you, and I want to know things about you. 
And so are you willing to talk about those things or not? Let me give an example of, of a very, very powerful element of the ask you answer that most people never think about. 99% of all companies on their website, and I'm talking about individuals mm-hmm. and companies here, they will say on their website, this is the thing that I do and I'm good at. This is the service that I offer. This is, you know, these are the people that I work with, whatever, okay? There's nothing special about that. Right. What's dramatically more powerful is when you will express on your website who you're not a good fit for mm-hmm. and describe that person or that entity in detail. Now, that's when you start to win people over. That's when you make somebody raise an eyebrow and say, holy cow, this is not like anything that I've read or listened to or watched up to this point. This person is willing to turn me away. This person is willing to say, I'm clearly not the best fit for you. And you see, in every single industry, that exists. If I said to anybody that's listening to this right now, are you a good fit for everybody that comes in contact with you? The answer, of course, is no. If they say yes, they've got a crap business model. They don't understand yet business. Because the happiest day in the life of a business isn't when you know who you are, but it's when you understand who you're not. Because when you know who you're not, you now know who you do not want to work with, and you know the services you do not want to render. Because those are the things that make entrepreneurship so frustrating. Those are the things that make us get out of bed in the morning with stress. Those are the things... Why we would say to ourselves, you know what, maybe this isn't for me, is because we take on bad jobs, bad clients, and it's because we haven't expressed on the front end clearly who we're not. Right. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the book. The book just came out in January. Uh, who's the book written for? So the book they ask you answer, um, it's for I, – I see so much talk online that – um, it tries to overcomplicate this thing that we call digital sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it worked so phenomenally well with River Pools. And I was speaking about this philosophy of answering your customers' questions, fears, issues, worries, and concerns through your digital platforms and aligning your business philosophies with that. That as I spoke about it for River Pools, people would say to me, well, Marcus, that might have worked for you as a pool guy, but, you know, I don't know if that would apply to my business. And I got tired of hearing about that. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go on a quest to not just apply this to river pools, but I'm going to see how many other industries we can do this with. And that's why I started the sales line. That's why we started consulting. And we ended up having some really world-class case studies uh, with, you know, companies that just changed the game in their space. I mean, completely changed their game. And and the reason why, the, the way they did this was the same with every single one, is they did say, we have a culture of teachers in our organization. We're going to involve the entire body to do so. We're going to integrate this content into the sales process. We're going to see ourselves as a media company that happens to do what we do. In other words, I'm a media company that happens Mm -hmm. to sell swimming pools, for example. And so they ask you answer gives you the philosophy in a step-by-step manner so you understand, okay, this is how I talk about it. These are the things that I need to be willing to discuss online and off. This is how my sales team uses this information. This is how I get them bought into the idea because that buy-in issue is such a big deal. And really, it's targeted to any company that can be a digital David in a land of Goliaths. And what I mean by that is this. 
Too many companies, especially really large corporations, put too much red tape on themselves and make excuses and reasons as to why they can't do mm-hmm. certain things. In other words, you can take one large company um, like, uh, you know, just whatever, GE, let's say, GE. Sure. And GE might want to write a blog post today or produce a video today, but because they've got so many attorneys that feel like it's their job to say no to everything, just getting one video approved and put up on the website takes days, right? right? Months, weeks, whatever it is, whatever it is. Whereas the digital Davids are faster, quicker, and more nimble. They don't have to play by the same rules. So if they want to write about their competitors, they do it. Now, I'm not espousing ever that you talk negatively about your competition, but you got to be willing to have the conversations because if you don't have it, again, somebody will. That's the digital Davids. And so the book is really meant for the person that is willing to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be the best teacher in my space. Now, I do talk about some bigger brands. Specifically, I talk about how CarMax is one of the best examples mm-hmm of they ask you answer in the world. They're the largest retailer of used cars right now. But they changed the game because they said, what are they afraid of? Why does no one trust used car salespeople (laughs) right now? Like, why? What happened? And they aligned their entire sales strategy to eliminate this lack of trust. For example, that's why they have flat rate commissions Mm -hmm. No upselling, right? right? This is why they have set prices on all their vehicles. No haggling. This is why they have a five-day money-back guarantee so they could eliminate buyer's remorse. This is why they were the first ones to give you a Carfax vehicle history report as a standard. Mm -hmm. You know, you go across the board and you start to see how they eliminated all of these fears, which is why they sell thousands of cars a year without anyone even test driving the vehicle. I mean, think about that, right? It's the same thing that allows, you know, someone to buy a pair of high heels online without trying them on first. Those are dangerous. Those are risky to buy without trying them on first, but you can send them back. Back. Because you can send them back, they've eliminated the idea or the fear of buyer's remorse. And you see, when you eliminate the fears that come with buying anything, the only emotion that's left is trust, right? So it's a book about trust. And um, it's built for the digital age. And I think it's going to be as applicable in 30 years as it is today. And I'm really, really excited about it. Excellent. Well, you should be. I'm looking forward to reading it. And so we're going to move into the last segment of the show. I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And, and the first one is a fun question. It's a hypothetical scenario. You, Marcus, have just been hired as VP of sales at a company that's sales have stalled out. They need to do a reset. CEO, board are anxious to have things turn around in a hurry. So what two things would you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Wow. Uh, you know, because this, this varies across the board, let's say, you know, let's say that I, okay. I think the first thing that I would do is I would have a workshop with the entire team. Salespeople have to be there, mm-hmm. marketing team and leadership. Those are the big three departments that have to be there. I would give them the vision of these philosophies of inbound, of content, of they ask you answer. I'd help each person understand how this is going to impact them individually and how it's going to impact the company collectively. Get everybody, as Simon Sinek would explain, knowing the what, the how, and the why. Once they have that vision and they're bought in, now they're willing to participate. The next thing I would do, because I, I have a limited amount of time, mm-hmm. is I would I would um, have um, a video-a-thon, if you will. And so I would take, I would brainstorm the top questions, fears, issues, concerns, worries that I get all the time. And I would have the sales team 
talk with somebody in marketing as an interview-based um, video, right. and we would do one full day of videos. Now, I can tell you that usually in two to three hours when we go into a client and we do videos, we can produce around 20 videos every three hours. That's okay. the average. That's the average. And so if you do a full day with the sales team, you can generally render more than 30 videos. Those 30 videos will now be the foundation of your entire sales process. You'll use them throughout the sales process. You'll use them in your email marketing. You'll put them, of course, up on the standards, on the YouTubes, on the social platforms, etc. So it's the ultimate. You can do so much with it in such a short period of time. You can't write 30 blog articles in a day or you know, do anything like that, but you can produce 30 really solid videos in a day. I've done it a bunch of times. And so that's what I would do, those two things. Excellent. Great answer. I love it. Um, okay, some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or elaborate if you wish. The first one is when you, Marcus, are out selling your own services, what's your strongest sales attribute? I think my enthusiasm is contagious. <laughs> I think it is. So who's your sales role model? Um, Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. If you've never heard of Jim Rohn, if you're listening to this, he was Tony Robbins' mentor and really the father, the godfather of personal development in the 1980s. He was the guy. All right. Besides any of your own, what's one book every salesperson should read? Uh, yeah. The Bible is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That is the Bible to this day. Yep. It's the number one answer, by the way. I've interviewed 400 people now. It's the number one answer yep. by far. All right, yep. so last question. This Should is, be. Yeah. Tough one here for you is uh, what music is on your playlist these days? Um, uh, I usually listen to, on my Alexa, mm. I'm listening to uh, Simon and Garfunkel Station. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Great. Good. Any song in particular is your favorite? Oh man, I know. You know what? I don't think so. I just, I just like how it just takes me to that happy, just relaxed place. Yeah, and yeah. maybe it's because there's so much vitriol in the air that you know, when I listen to Simon and Garfunkel, I just feel happy. Oh, I like that. Very good. All right. Well, Marcus. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Tell folks how they can find out more about you. Connect with you. Yeah. Yeah, well, please, uh, if you're listening to this right now, don't hesitate to email me. My personal email is marcus at the sales lion. That's L-I-O-N, like Mufasa. Marcus at the saleslion.com. You can find me on the Twitters at the saleslion. And you can, of course, find the book right now on Amazon. That's Just go there and type in They Ask You Answer in your search bar. It'll come right up or type in Marcus Sheridan. But, uh, Andy, it has been a tremendous pleasure uh, being with you today. Thank you for well, this. Marcus, thanks for being here. And friends, thank you for being here as well. And remember, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that is to make this podcast a part of your daily routine. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Marcus Sheridan, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.